the Vietnamese who settled here in 1975, really kind of looking down at us as a different group, so we didn't really have that much interaction with that group. And then you have, at that time in Lawrence, you have a lot of uh, Hispanics. It's an immigrant city. There's some, you know, immigrant city can be very tough to uh, uh, live in. Different language barrier, cultural barrier, not only the stress of living here, you know, without parent parental supervision, it just makes life tough for kids. You're listening to the podcast Stories of the Vietnamese Boat People. Hi, I'm Tracy Nguyen Meng, and welcome back. Real quick before we start the show if you're near New York City on November 11th, join us for a live podcast taping with award winning author Tan Ha Lai. She wrote the book Inside Out and Back Again, which was a New York Times bestseller, and she recently released an adult novel called Butterfly Yellow. This will be an intimate evening to get up close with Tan Ha and hear why she has devoted her novels to telling the stories of the Vietnamese boat people. Visit our website at vietnameseboatpeople.org forward slash events or search for us on eventbrite.com for details. As some of you know, I was born in Vietnam and fled to America as a boat person when I was just under four years old. Growing up, I never knew what generation of immigrants to categorize myself as. I didn't feel close enough to my culture to be considered a first-generation Vietnamese American. But I also was not part of the second generation, which are American-born. Then one day, someone called me Generation 1.5. I had no idea what that meant, so naturally I googled it. Generation 1.5 are individuals who immigrate to a new country as children, before or during their early teens. Studies have identified this group as a unique one because unlike their first-generation parents or U.S.-born siblings, their identity is split. They are American in many ways, but not entirely. And depending on when they came here and where they grew up, other factors that can make this American immigrant experience very different. Studies have shown that this generation can play bridge builder, helping their parents navigate their new home. Or they can feel like outcasts, neither here nor there. In this season, we will share stories of Generation 1.5 and capture what it was like to straddle two worlds, one that holds memories that feel non-existent, and another that is so distant, you feel like you're on the outside looking in. Uh, I came over here when I was eight years old and uh, settled in uh, Lawrence and in Methune, Massachusetts. Tom Pham was born in 1971 in Saigon as Hong Guk Pham and came over to America in 1980 when he was just eight years old. His father and him escaped Vietnam by boat with his uncle and an aunt. I want to share Tom's story to shed light on what it was like for a child refugee, separated from his parents at a very young age, to flee to a foreign land with a father he barely knew. And then almost 10 years later in America, Tom was the one who helped reunite the family after so many years. And in 2014, 
He also helped his father capture his extraordinary story of survival in post-Vietnam War. The only thing I can remember is uh, going from time to time aboard the ships. Uh, that my father, uh, he was a self uh, naval, a self Vietnamese uh, naval officer, so he would take me on board. And then after that, I haven't seen him for the longest uh, time. Almost forgotten, entirely forgotten about him when he uh, uh, went off to a re-education uh, labor camp there. I was probably, if you're looking at, I imagine about four or five years old when he went. Myself and two uh, sisters, and so all three of us were staying behind with my mother. Remember starvation uh, from it because my father wasn't there, and my mother had taken the task of uh, taking care of all three of us. Just remember that uh, we wouldn't have enough to eat. Uh, the other thing is, is that for that short time, since she wasn't able to take care of trees, my grandparents from my father's side had decided to help her out by taking me uh, on and uh, basically taking care of me. And I remember uh, leaving the family there, and uh, it was probably one of the saddest points in my life there. The family being split apart at that moment. Tom was sent to live with his grandparents at the age of four, while his younger siblings stayed with his mom. His grandparents did the best they could, but in a post-war environment, the country was in a state of ruin and food was very scarce. So the only thing that was given out was, uh, uh, was potato, bread, something. It's, it's called baba, which is replacement of rice, if you remember that. And all of us had... Can I ask you, is Baba barley? I, I'm not sure what it, what it was. To this day, I am so... Every time I see something that resembling Baba or potato, I would be... I wouldn't even touch it at all. My grandparents, in order to reduce consumption, even that, they put a lot of salt on it so it make it a little bit more salty. So we would eat less. During this time, Tom's dad was still in re-education camp and was transported several times to different locations and eventually placed in a camp very remote that it would take days and many forms of public transportation for his mom to come visit. It was too strenuous of a trip to bring kids along. For the next few years, Tom only got to see his mom occasionally for short visits. I asked Tom if he remembered anything about his mom during that time a brilliant woman who actually take care of the kids and also my dad too, are trying to find out which camp and all, most of the time all being secretly, um, you know, the, remotely up in the jungle. Based upon my experience as a kid back then, I was very young and being split apart. Um, I think my whole life, I'm not really that close to my mother at all. Not until later on when she's over here. And even, even then when she came over here, I only stayed with her a few years before she passed away true to her illness. But back then, I remember just seeing her, you know, walking away and taking care. You know, most of the time as a kid, you only see, you only remember the worst part when your mother your parents walk away <laughs> you know when they're there you don't really pay attention at all and then when you're actually gone and, and she would laugh and then I would feel I would feel sad then suddenly one day Tom's father started to appear again you know for the longest time I haven't seen my dad and all the son he would show up and I don't really recognize and my mother for the sake of security because that time he escaped from the labor camp, 
And so he would come in the middle of the night. She would just um, be very secretive, not really tell any one of us. And one day I remember that my mother would say, well, you are going to go your lucky day. You're going to go to a field trip. And can you imagine that? Only you, no one, no one else can go to. As a kid, you're all excited about it. I remember we were you know, going in the middle of the night. And then from there, uh, we hop on uh, a bit low. But we went on just near this, uh, this river, probably one of the river that feed off to the Saigon, uh, to the Mekong River. And I remember there we stopped by and we ate a little bit. And then from there he took, took me to on board this gangway up to a wooden boat. And everything's so dark. And from there I was let down into the bow of the boat. And when I got down there I saw my aunt there. And then I saw a lot more people in, in dark and everybody's very quiet. Basically, my father just gave me to my aunt to hold me, and, and I just say to my aunt, I say, boy, I, I just got a lot to eat. So much food, I'd never seen it before. But I tell you, that, that was short-lived because uh, uh, when we left uh, the area and we head into a storm, all that food was and all came out because I threw up. <laughs> so you were eight. I mean, by that time, how many kids were in the family? By that time, there were four of us. That's including me, myself. Okay. How old was the youngest? The youngest, I imagine, about one, one and a half. My parents must have felt that instead of sacrificing the whole family, I'm the oldest and probably have more opportunity to survive. There's a lot of um, stories. Most of them are pretty bad endings of of rapes, uh, didn't make it, or die at sea being robbed so he the the probability of success is not that high tom and his dad were out at sea for four days many miracles would happen they were rescued and brought to the singapore refugee camp at hawkins road in january 1980. months later they were sponsored by a catholic charity to come to the united states we settled in lawrence massachusetts and I remember they put us in a hostel. It was right in the middle of winter when we landed here. And it was in a blizzard. We were stuck in the blizzard. Stuck in the cold, oh my God. We, you know, from Singapore flying over, drop us in the middle of Boston Logan. You know, we were sleeping there because nobody really aware of us that we had landed. And so there was a person coming and uh, gave us some of the winter old clothes, winter clothing, and then from there we came, they, they dropped us off, and I remember walking to this apartment, and there's a lot more families there. So each one of us have a room, and you know this room had multiple bunk heads, and that's where we were staying for the next three months. I know a lot of people say bad thing about the welfare, but you know we, we did rely on welfare the first three months to get off our feet. So you didn't speak English at the time. Um, I think also programs like ESL, English as a Second Language, was non-existent or just developing in the public school system. That that is correct. That was correct. Um, so in my case, when I first came over here, they look at my age, and I was I turned was twenty nine, and they say, "Well, you should be in third grade." So they put me in third grade, and of course, really didn't have any chance to learn any English. I guess they were suspecting I was deaf and mute <laughs> because I wouldn't say anything in school. 
uh, would not uh, react to anything. So they end up from third grade, everybody would graduate them on, they move me into second grade. So imagine having a kid being, being coming down to a lower grade, it gets demoralizing. But somehow second grade did, uh, did help me uh, tremendously because it gave me a chance to learn English from the basic, the very basic. So the following year, I literally skipped the entire third grade, but I only like in school for one month for third grade before, but I ended up moving to fourth grade. So, so sort of making So you it went up. from second to fourth grade? I went second to fourth grade. <laughs> During the time in the United States, when it was just Tom and his dad, I was curious of what their relationship was like. Because it, it doesn't sound like you really knew his past. And I guess it wasn't something that you had asked about growing up? No, none of that at all. He was, when we came over here, he didn't tell me anything at all. Literally, that was the past. And we were just focused on really surviving here. He would work and then go to school. Both of my aunts and uncle did what we need to do. I remember staying home alone. When I come back from school, I remember this, and I was walking with all the neighborhood kids too, just about nine or 10 years old. Uh, back then, it's so normal. Everybody just walk home by ourselves. And I turned out to be one of the better kids who just listen and go home and, and shut the door. And then well, as soon as I come home, I would call my father at work and, you know, uh, and let him know that I, I'm, I'm home. And then I'm watching TV and things like that. And until they come home late at night. But uh, other than that, you know, that was our routine life. I remember that there wasn't too many Vietnamese. You know, he didn't really tell me what's going on back in Vietnam either. And that was the, you know, that was the routine things for a while. Uh, but most of that, I also remember being home alone uh, quite a bit. Even to high school, I was pretty much didn't participate in any sport or anything at all. I would just go to school and then come back home. Not really much parental oversight, and I think I was somehow turned out, you know, not to be in a bad crowd. But in a sense, I wish there were more parental oversight that I would be better as a communicator. My babysitter was a TV, and somehow as a kid, I, I understood. But I have to say, I was very fortunate that my neighbor above were very helpful. It was Mr. Neil Murphy. And his daughter would take me to horse riding, and there I met another lovely uh, family who felt very sorry and started taking me around on the weekend. I remember all the all those times. Very fortunate because most of my male friend who came here, they most of them end up in the gang because you know there was no supervision at all for the kids. Lawrence is one of the worst neighborhood. I remember so many times I've been beaten up <laughs> or having a running fight. <laughs> so when did your mom come over and the rest of your siblings? Not until high school. And it was, I remember, where I was doing a history paper about Vietnam War. I guess it was respected enough that my history teachers, I guess, selected me to go to, to Framingham State College at that time, part of now is part of UMass uh, system. He was going there to like to present my paper out, you know, with other high school kids. There was a person who was a veteran who was talking about Vietnam War and how the the South Vietnamese uh, didn't really fight it to their expectation. And I was a shy kid back then, just because with my background, I don't really interact too well with large group. 
But I, I remember I, I, I stood up and I said, that's not true. You have a lot of wonderful people who believe in, uh, in Vietnam and they did the best they could. And so I would tell my perspective of that. And I say, I say, well, how can you say we've given up when, when we felt like we were abandoned as an immigrant you know, recovering from the war? Well, because of what I said, my history teacher would more engage and learn trying to find out more about the family, my background. And then when he realized that we still have family over there, he said, maybe the school can help. A few days later, Tom was called into a meeting at school. And when he walked into the room, it was filled with other teachers wanting to learn more about his family. And who say, you know, we know a lot about Vietnam, but tell us the story. And, and that's what I told the story. And they real, you know, realized my mother's still there. My siblings, three of my siblings still there. And at this time, I remember Oliver Stone having this movie coming out and, uh, and so Vietnam thought to be back in a more positive note. And they say, well, there's something good about this. And not to me, students high school is know what's going on about Vietnam. They all hear about it, but they hear the bad thing about it. But they say, this is a chance to really um, get the school to learn more about Vietnam, Vietnamese and about Vietnam War, but also helping. So they came up this idea and say, what about if we get the student involved and try to get a, a letter campaign to let the state and congressmen know maybe they can, you can get the whole family over here. I end up uh, talking to the principal, the principal bought into it. And there, from there, we uh, talked to the uh, superintendent and the superintendent thought it was great. So he gave permission and endorsed what we're doing. So the next thing is I would speak in front of the entire school. I remember that, you know, my Western American friend didn't really know what's going on. And then all of a sudden I, I stood up from the auditorium and just walked out right in the middle of the uh, gym and started talking. It gets like a scene on the movie. And that's when, you know, people understood. And so I got the whole high school bought into it. And so from there we were doing a letter campaign. So that got the interest of congressmen. After gaining support from the students and administration at his high school, he was able to go to other high schools in the area to share his story and enlist their support. He gathered about 9,000 signatures and got volunteers to send over 2,500 letters to their congressmen. And it was all bombarded into the one of the state representatives, uh, the Congressman Chet Atkin, and he agreed to help. And uh, we were standing outside, we even organized standing outside in front of the, the supermarket and other area to collect signature. While his school and peers stood beside him, others in the community did not. There was a lot of prejudice and hateful words shouted at them. But the teacher was very glad to be able to hear that. She said, you know, this is a great lesson for everyone because life is not really as easy as you think. Uh, from perspective from my family, what they saw, but also when they start interacting with public and how they would get the support, but also understand that there is people who uh, have their own viewpoint and sometimes viewpoint very adamantly against us and they would say something that's very hurtful. Several months later, Tom found out that his family's case was put forward along with other families as cases in which the United States would help expedite. 
a year later, we were able to reunite with that. And I remember I was got interviewed by Chronicle, by all the TVs and everything. And then, and what really surprised him is, of course, we, when we finally got the news that we're going, they allowed the Vietnamese allowed my family to go. There was a lot of media coverage uh, at the uh, Logan uh, Airport, uh, at the international airport when we picked them up, which, which is great. This is unbelievable support. His mom and siblings arrived in Boston, Massachusetts in March 1989. The family was reunited after almost 10 years. So what was your relationship with your mom like when she first came over, or even with your siblings? Well, um, I, I think because we were far apart, even when I was in Vietnam, when I was living with my grandparents, um, we, there's a sense of not a normal sibling relationship. So when my mother first came over here, I think she felt guilty that she wasn't able was there for me. I have no blame and absolutely understand what she's going through and even more so understanding now. But you know, back then, first of all, I'm a I'm a teenager back then and telling teenager what to do, what to what to think is hard. Um, and my mother in certain way felt um, guilty that she wasn't there for me and caring. So I think certain parts that she didn't really, she didn't really want to yell at me or always trying to be nice. So because of that, there's also some distance between us. As far as my siblings go, I think even now we, we, we do have some distance. I'm somewhat more independent, meanwhile they're a lot more closer together. My way of things, they would tell me that I would be more, more you mean like Mỹ Trắng hơn. Mỹ Trắng, in this context, means Americanized. Having grown up mostly in the U.S. for the last 10 years, Tom felt very distant from his siblings. Yeah, so even now, they're, they're a lot closer together for the three of them. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm sure, like, I always joke myself, I'm the oddball of the family. In 2009, Tom's mom passed away from lupus. One day, he was casually sharing his family's story to his boss. Uh, after high school, I guess I have that, uh, that feeling that's kind of drawn me back to the water. And so therefore, a logical choice is Mass Maritime Academy, which is really uh, studying uh, navigation and marine engineering side. And I just love going to see it that, from that time. Tom Bushy back then uh, was my boss, and so Tom Bushy uh, was the vice president and captain of the training ships. So he had hired me uh, as his uh, one of his helper assistant. But it turned out that we had a great working relationship. So I would be pretty, you know, pretty soon I would be moving into like his right hand person. We were in the shipyard uh, in New York, and on our ride back. You know, we happened over a couple of drinks with talking and uh, so and he said, you know, all this year, I don't really know what your background is. And was, you know, so I talked a little bit about it. From there on, he, he said, you ought to ask your father to write a book before authors forget. And I say, I say, you're right, Tom. I think we would love to because I've been telling him to write a book. And it was my mother passing when he was... I remember that night when my mother passed and he opened up quite a few things to me. And I said, I think there's some way that we need to capture this when you're ready. Because 
if you look at all of the youngest sibling and and the kids, they really have no understanding what's going on. And even myself got little pieces here and there, you know, when we escaped. So having talked to Tom, and Tom at that moment said, you know what? And he's getting ready to retire again. He said, maybe he can write. So he would ask my father to write a couple of chapter, and he couldn't write it. It would be too painful trying to remember and write it down and everything. So a year later, you know, he's ready, when my boss was ready to retire, I said, Tom, we should do something about this before it's all too late. Tom's boss introduced him to his brother, Dave Bushy, a former U.S. Army soldier and airline executive. Dave would be inspired by Tom's father, Guk Pham, and offered to help write the book. And in January 2018, the book was finally published. The World Looked Away by Dave Bushy is the story about Tom and his family. It sheds light on what happened to the people who remained in Vietnam after the war ended in 1975. Hundreds of thousands of former South Vietnamese military officers, like Tom's father, were sent to re-education camp, expecting only just 10 days of confinement, but most were imprisoned for years, suffering starvation, brutality, and death. This book details this period of history, when Vietnam closed its doors to other countries, and other countries did not know what was happening inside. It is also a love story between Guk Pham and his wife, Kim Gong, and their courage in the face of hopelessness. I asked Tom if making the book brought his dad and him closer in what sounded like a very distant relationship growing up. Definitely. I think we're a lot closer now. He had a lot more understanding. I have a lot gained a lot more understanding of what he's doing and why he was like that when he was, when he was young. And now we're a lot more closer now than ever. And he also had a sense of understanding what I had gone through too as well. Just recently when we done the book, when he realized that, geez, you know, the, he didn't really take care of uh, his son as uh, a father should be. Not that, not that I have any regret, no, no, he had any regret, but guess his way of thinking, okay, if I, if I feed you, if I house you, and I make sure you have an education, it's fine. Tom also shared with me that the book helped him find closure to the open questions he never had the chance to ask his mom. What my father had told us, and I read the book so many times because we have to review the draft, you know, with each other to make sure that's okay before we send it out. And, uh, and I understand my mother a lot more now. So what questions do you still have about your family story? Do you have any left? No, I, I think going through this book had taken a lot of my father. And if my mother was still alive, it would be too, because you're reliving that moment and it's tough on them. Uh, in certain part, I appreciate that he was able to tell the story, but in certain part, you see a lot of pain trying to relive those moments. Because for the longest time that I didn't realize what have, what my father and my, my parents have gone through, what my mother gone through, and how he has seen what's going on that happened and how my mother had to go through in order to find out this camp with, with four kids. And I think that 
story, and that's just one of the hundred of thousand, including your story. I think every one of us have a story to tell. When you're going through life, you're so busy, and you're not really, really, you let the life passes by, and you're really not really understanding where you're coming from, and learning this, and what your parents have gone through, and what other people have come through. You gain understanding and appreciate life more. And this is what I came from, and I came that. You live the moment, and you live as much as you can, and you appreciate your past. You can search for the world looked away on Amazon or BarnesandNobles.com. If you would like to connect with the author Dave Bushy or get more details on the book and the story of Guk Pham, go to our Instagram or Facebook page at Vietnamese Boat People and search for details under episode 14. I'm Tracy Nguyen Meng, and thank you for listening and helping us preserve history. Please remember to subscribe to the show and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. And if you have a story to share, contact us at stories at vietnameseboatpeople.org.